0: Also, be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at Sportsman'sEmpire.com.
1: All right, guys, welcome to today's show. Now, on the show with me today, I've got the best crew. These guys have been training my dog Scout. It's an amazing family that we have come to love and become great friends with, and we're down at their property in Texas. But before we jump in to talk to them about dog training and all of that, I got to fill you in on what happened last night after we recorded this episode. Rhodey, Dakota, and I, we went out in the side by side with the thermals looking for pigs. And first of all, if you've not thermal hunted, you got to check it out. It's a ton of fun. But we saw all kinds of stuff. We saw birds and rabbits and possums, raccoons, a handful of deer, cows. And then right at the end, we saw a couple pigs, but they were going into the trees. We get all the way back up to their house. I scan the back of the property one more time from the driveway, and all the pigs came out. So we booked it back up, up the hill, got on these pigs. There were probably 40 of them, and got a couple shots off on them, knocked one down. It was a ton of fun. And tonight, I think I'm going to go sit with my bow because I've never got a pig with my bow before. So he's, he's they're giving me the full like treatment here. I get to hunt while I'm here picking up my dog. Unfortunately, waterfowl season is not in right now. But on this episode, I'm going to be talking with Rhodey, Kristen, and Dakota all about how they've trained my dog Scout, how they've built this amazing business, what training looks like, what expectations for for you know first time dog owners that are dropping a dog off at training. What should they expect? What should they look for? There's a lot of really great questions asked and answered in this episode. And we absolutely love this family. We love this place. Honestly, if we didn't have such good jobs, I'd be applying to come down here and train with them. But I'm excited for this one. I hope you are too. Let's jump in with the best family.
2: Like, he was doing things that were just badass.
1: That was one of the coolest moments of my life.
3: I was really scared, but knowing that Dean had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay.
1: All right guys, welcome to today's show and on the show with me today, I've got, I mean a good chunk of the best family. I'm pretty excited about this because we're down in Texas picking up our dog Scout who's been at training for 11 months now and got to see him today, see him in action and you guys have been sending me videos every week anyways, so I feel like I'm still kind of here, not totally, but on the show we've got Kristen, Rhodey and Dakota Best and uh, They're responsible for all this amazing training. They've kind of got me super pumped about the competition side of training. Got to watch them run in person, watch the whole Crown series live on Facebook or YouTube or whatever app it was on. But thanks for helping on with me.
3: Thanks for having us. Yeah, Yeah,
1: thank you. So I think we officially met. You reached out, right? Yes. You reached out to Sam. Was it? Yeah.
3: Yes, I reached out on Instagram. Uh, We were actually sitting having dinner with Dakota and his wife, Kara. And uh, we have been following Sam for a while. And uh, so we just, on a whim, just decided to send a message and just see if it would work out. Next thing I know, I got a message back and then a phone call the next day from you guys. and
1: The rest is history. Yes. Yeah, we, I told her. I told Sam when we got Scout, I was like, I will never have an untrained dog again. (laughs) I've done that too many times. We've, and we've been joking about it today, having buddies with dogs and you have to throw the stick for the dog every time, you know, make it splash. Hopefully it sees the bird. Maybe it brings back a decoy. And I was like, I'm not doing that again. And then once we actually came down and met you guys and you showed us your operation here, the training how the dogs are supposed to work, not how, <laughs> not being glorified fetchers, but actually knowing what to do. I was blown away. So when did you guys start doing this?
2: I, I guess I started in college. I had, uh, grown up, you know, in Texas dove hunting and stuff, but never a do- uh, waterfowl hunted at all. And a buddy of mine invited me on a goose hunt. I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. It combined my love of, of animals and dogs in general. Um, or specifically dogs, um, and, and hunting, you know, just put everything in, the, in a tight little neat package for me. So it worked out good. And I didn't have a dog. I went with a buddy who had one and watched his dog do the work and thought that is really, really neat. I got to do that. And so our first dog, I actually got out of free out of a newspaper. <laughs> her name was Penny. She was a yellow lab. And um, I remember getting her because I'd gone on a hunt by myself. It was real cold one morning. Nobody wanted to go with me. They thought I was crazy. It was in the 20s. I went out on the Brazos River, shot a duck, duck dropped in the water, and, of course, the current's going to drift the bird away. And I'm by myself. I don't have a dog. So I took off running in blue jeans and jumped out in the water and (laughs) waded out in the water and walked back with the duck. And when I got back, my pants were frozen straight, just stiff-legged. I mean, I think I had, (laughs) you know, I was was cold. And I got home, and I told my wife, I said, I'm getting a dog. (laughs) I am not doing this again. i got to have a dog. And so my first one was a newspaper dog, free to a good home. And I quickly learned that. It was, was going to take a young puppy that I was going to have to raise myself and teach. And, you know, the old adage, can't teach an old dog new tricks, has a lot of a merit. And yeah. so, you know, started off from there, and it just grew. It blew up. A lot of, a lot of things happened between now and since then. But, uh, yeah, here we are.
1: Man, I I can relate so much to that story. I got my first lab off of Craigslist. Or, no, it was Facebook Marketplace. This guy's like a seven-year-old dog. He's been hunting for six seasons I have kids now. I don't get out. He needs to go to somebody who hunts. And I'm like, he's AKC registered and he's hunted for six seasons. And I go and I get him and turns out, I mean, unless he sees that bird fall, there's no way he's going out. You'll be like, Rudy, go get it. And he'll maybe get in the water and turn around. Like, I don't know what I'm doing out here. And I took him to Phil Brown, uh, who lives close by and He's like, let's see how your dog works. And he looked back at me. He's like, Dan, I hate to tell you, this is this is going to be a good indoor pet. And I was <laughs> like, oh, shoot. And then I watched his dog's work, and I was like, I got to have one. Someday I'm going to have one. And so now that Scout, I mean, watching Dakota, you, you showed us every week how how well he was doing. The fact that he casts, I'm mm-hmm. like – Holy cow. <laughs> I have a dog that's going to listen to more than one command <laughs> and I don't have to coax him back to the blind with a treat. This is going to be amazing. Yep. How's training yep. how's been? He's been honestly
0: a breeze. Um, one of the easiest and pliable dogs that I've had. Um, dogs are just like people. Sometimes you get the hard-headed ones that don't want to do what you want to, but he's always been that team player that's really wanting to work with me. and That's honestly made it really easy. Um, I haven't had many hiccups with him. and. When you're training dogs you run into hiccups with every dog Um, it just depends on how long that hiccup's going to last you know um and with him the the small bumps in the road that we ran into were small bumps they weren't big bumps that we had to take steps back and readdress and so he's been
1: honestly really easy to train that's awesome i i just love dogs i've always loved dogs but like seeing what you guys do it's an art form it's not like I've seen other dogs that have been trained, but watching you guys handle them and like correct them, and even early on, I think the funniest the funniest story about the first time we came down here when we went to drop them off, Chris and you were like, "Okay, so I've seen a couple things that you can work on." And Scout was in here with us, and he was what six months old, and I was like, "Scout, here, come here, bud, here, here, come here." And you're like, "Okay, just let's work on giving him one command, and don't give him a command that you can't reinforce." And I'm like, okay, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And maybe 15 seconds later, I'm like, here, 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 hey, <laughs> come here, here. And you just started laughing. And I'm like, crap, I suck. I could never be a dog trainer. But you, you told us about, like, the dog love languages pretty early on. And yeah. I was like, this is crazy. I never thought of it. I just figured you make a dog listen, you know, somehow. But you, it seems like with your, the art form that you guys have dialed in, you really haven't figured it out.
3: Yeah, so whenever we started the business in 2006, it was um, honestly challenging on our marriage because we moved to a completely different place. We had new schools for the kids and trying to support ourselves on this little business that we were hoping was going to work. It was just a lot of stress, and someone shared the Five Love Languages book with us for our marriage. And at the same time, he's trying to teach me how to be a dog trainer, and I'm like, He's showing me this stuff, and I'm like, dogs have the same love languages that people do, so I kind of started figuring it out and just started using, utilizing it in my training. And uh, it has worked out. It honestly has never failed for me in all the years we've been doing it. So
2: I thought she was crazy. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest
3: with you.
1: When
2: I first heard her, hold on, like, a husband <laughs> thinking his wife's crazy <laughs> even though it's a great idea... I thought there's no way people are gonna buy into this. This is crazy. Nope. Nobody's gonna. Nope. You, you can't apply human emotions to a dog. And and people like to do it, but it's in science, it's not really factual. Or at least, but but it helps people. It, it really is. I've I've grown and and I really like it now.
1: Yeah. What What have you found to be like the easiest love language to train with dogs?
3: Treats. 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 So yeah. So basically. With human love languages, it's words of affirmation. And then for the dog, it's um, verbal praise. Mm-hmm. Um, physical touch for people, petting for dogs. Quality time is quality time. Acts of service is kind of like a retrieve or something you're interacting with them. And then treats is the gift giving. And it's just the quickest instant gratification. If you've got a dog that likes to eat, mm-hmm or is motivated by treats, you can get the quickest results. Quality time is the hardest because you have to invest so much just like taking long walks with these dogs that have quali- that is quality time, you know, so that you can build that bond. And our goal is is to meet the dog where they are and within two weeks have that dog wanting to work with us in every possible way because we've met the languages that they speak. So yeah
1: you talked about that early on, like building the trust with the dog, having that relationship. Because once you have that, you're going to get the results with less correction, less problems with the dog. And uh, what did you find with Scout? Like what were his love languages?
3: Um, he – words of – well, praise, <laughs> petting, <laughs> treats were his three primary. Um, I mean, he still – he loved to retrieve too, but um, he honestly – He's just naturally a team player, so he really made it easy. I was honestly nervous when I got him because I was like, man, the pressure is on. (laughs) If this dog is hard-headed or strong-willed, I'm going to have, like – I mean, we even talked about it. He was like, I hope this works, you know. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, I got him, and the first day I was like, okay, this is, like, super easy. And, like, you know, just as I was building that relationship with him, he never showed me that he had, like, you know, a really – um uh, I don't know how to quite explain it. He just like if I gave him treats, he was just like, "Okay, that's what you want from me." Okay, praise, and then like retrieves. He was like, "Okay, you want me to you want me to sit. I'll sit so you, that I can get a retrieve. I mean, anything to work with with well, and, me."
2: And y'all deserve deserve a lot of credit yes. for this because <clears throat> part of the process of raising a pup from 0 to 6 months old is is you know, the two things we look at is genetics and environment and you guys did the right thing with the environment y'all did a good job raising him he was very relational he he was a people pleaser he he wanted to be with people um, we get dogs a lot of dogs that are just stuck in a backyard for the first 6 months of their life they oh, don't dang. they have very little human interaction um, they've been stuck in the backyard with maybe with another dog maybe the the couple has another dog and they just put them together so that dog all it knows is other dogs yeah. so its desire to please a human being is zero so y'all obviously got a head start out real good with Scout.
1: Yeah, I, I was afraid that he was going to be kind of a d- damaged dog after seeing our daughter with him because she just would not. I'm like, this dog is trying to crawl away to save his life. And she's just like, <laughs> Scout, you're my best friend. I'm never letting go. No, he, he was a good dog from the get go. He had some medical stuff early on. But it was intimidating for me because, like, we get here to your facility. We see the kennels. We see the trailers and the trucks and all the dogs. And, Rodi, you took me. I don't remember where even on the property it was, but you're like, oh, yeah, all these 80 ribbons I got with my (laughs) one dog. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know if my dog is going to get a participation trophy. You know, like, we'll see how this goes. But then you were showing me down there, like, some serious, serious level stuff where you're, like, sending a dog 200 yards on a retrieve and your cat you're like I could send it straight to it but I'm just going to handle it to show you and I'm like this is unbelievable I I'm like I think I need to come down here for 11 months to get trained because I'm (laughs) going to ruin this dog right away
0: uh Scout's been on, on the love languages thing on what his are you know when when he's really Early in the training and he's doing obedience, you're very hands on with him on a leash and stuff. So it's easier to give him treats. But as you get out to the field, you know, you're teaching him stuff from a distance. So treats don't really apply that much at that Mm -hmm. point. And so that's when it takes a good dog that's going to want to let words of affirmation. Right. When you tell him good boy, he's going to react to it and respond well. Um, And then his his second one was praise or or, I'm sorry, like physical touch. So when he would come back from a bird and I tell him good boy and love up on him, that meant the world to him. And yeah. so to be able to communicate to him what I wanted from a distance was was good. So he could, you know, in the advanced program, you know, he would take the correct cast and I would tell him good that he was like, heck yeah, okay, awesome, that's what you want. And then, you know, give him another cast. And he takes that cast and tell him good, and it, it slowly gets, gets better
2: and better. A cast is a hand signal for those who don't know what that means. It, you know, you're directing them, and you can use a whistle to stop them and then use a hand signal to direct them or, or a cast when we say cast.
1: Yeah, it's... It's funny how like invested I am now into like training and understanding the lingo. And then like I mentioned before, watching the whole crown series championship, I mean every day Sam was sitting next to me. She's like, okay, where are they at? How are they doing? How's Kerrigan? How's Dakota? How's Michael? (laughs) How's roadie? Who's in the lead? What was that last run? And I'm like, this is it. The whole world of dog training. It just blows my mind. And even when we pulled in here today, I was like, they really do need a TV show. Like, this could be Duck Dynasty with dogs. (laughs) Like, this is the coolest, the whole setup. And obviously, you guys have spent how many years building this all and putting a team together and, like, investing in the property. It's unbelievable.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We started in 2006.
3: Yeah, 2006.
2: So that's been 17 years ago. And I've been training since 90, probably 95, 96, I'd say. So over 25 years
1: how how has everything kind of evolved since the start I mean obviously starting the two of you and really figuring this out but now having people who they've brought multiple dogs to you over the years
2: I'm on my second most of my clients are second generation dog you know they're bringing me their next generation dog you know a lot so much has changed I mean not only the training techniques I've had to adjust and you know the old school methods were pretty harsh and what we're talking about here tonight is new stuff. It's it's yeah. relational stuff. There wasn't a, a – relate. you didn't care about a relationship 30 years ago. It was do it because I said to do it type stuff. Yeah. And a dog like Scout would have probably never made it through a program like that. Um, but the fact you can build a relationship and get a dog motivated to do things for you, it's, it's not – it's a little more work, but it's a much – pleasant more a much more pleasant result. Yeah. Because the dog and you have you could go on a hunt and and have you know like we talked about elk hunting and stuff and have you know I didn't even see an elk but but had a great trip still because of the experience. Yeah. You can do the same thing with your dog scout. Y'all can go out one day and I remember this vividly a, a, an example I went out on a hunt one time with my dog Cajun years ago and shot one bird and she made the most incredible retrieve I remember I never forget it because the duck, the bird sailed down at the back of the pond and I sent her and she swims across and she gets out where the bird should be and it's not there and then she starts wandering up the hill and she ran a hundred yards up the hill and all of a sudden comes up with that duck <laughs> and I would have never thought to go up there and look for that duck but she yeah. trailed it and it was the best one of the best memories I'll ever have and we only killed one bird but yeah. it was it was cool
1: hey that's the story of my life, hunting in Southwest Missouri, like we're going to kill one bird at a time if we're (laughs) lucky. No, I'm, I'm so excited. I've already got trips planned. Like I'm going, I mean, Sam might not approve of all of them, but I've got so many trips planned. I'm like, now that I've got a dog, like something that I can be proud of and then not have to call my buddies. Like I will be totally content just going and sitting by the pond by myself in the mornings, bring him along. If we don't shoot anything, oh well. But it's like dove season, pigeon season. I don't really care if it <laughs> flies or has feathers. Like, I'm gonna try to get them on it. So, um, why don't you walk through the process? Like, maybe once you first get a dog, or or your first dog,
2: you know, how how does that work?
3: So, whenever we first get them in, um...
2: oh, hold on before you begin, because I want to make sure this is clear. Everybody listening, if the the cheapest thing you can do is buy a well bred dog spend the money on a dog that has the genetic potential to be something. If you're out there trying to shave pennies and you're going to buy a dog with a poor pedigree, you're going to bring us something that we can't do anything with. If they don't have the desire to retrieve in them genetically and they don't want to do it, there's nothing we can do. We're not going to make them do something they don't want to do. Yeah. So our job is to take what's genetically predispositioned in them and and make it foster and shine. So.
3: And just because it has a retriever at the back of its name does not mean that it's going to be able to retrieve. So checking, learning, educating yourself on pedigrees and things like that make a huge difference. Because anybody will tell you, well, it's got, you know, the, the breeder said that it's got a hunting, it comes from hunting bloodlines. Every retriever has hunting bloodlines. <laughs> <laughs> Every <a> point. <laughs> single retriever does so you ha- that's why a lot of the titles and stuff like that that we get on them that proves that you know whenever we do breedings we make sure that the parents have been um have competed so that we can say and people will say, oh we're not interested in competition I'm like it's not that's not the point The point is is that we're proving to you that these dogs are capable of doing what you're looking for, yeah so and it has clearances
2: it, it it can retrieve definitely but it comes with other abilities it's intelligent it's trainable there's a lot of things that come with that those titles not just the retrieving side of it so a dog that's trainable is very important
1: yeah it proves that you know it's got it in it mm-hmm. i i knew nothing about the titles all the numbers in front and when i got that dog off facebook marketplace He's like, oh, yeah, here's his pedigree. And I'm like, I don't even know what this means, but okay, thanks. And I've got – it's a family tree. And I'm like, cool, now I know it's great-grandparents' names, whatever. <laughs> well, then when I went with that trainer, he's like, oh, let me see the paperwork on it. And he starts looking at it. He's like, I've trained some of these dogs. And it actually came from – I think – I don't remember how far back, but like one of its – uh one of the males like three generations back was the first ever chocolate national championship or champion. And he's like, this is a good dog. He's like, it's a bummer it's seven years old. And <laughs> it was home trained. Like basically it's got to be a neon ball and it'll retrieve it. Otherwise you're screwed. But like to know that it had the, the genetic capability, I guess of becoming something great right. is good to know as a starter. So someone's not bringing you a border collie to be a, awesome retriever.
0: Yeah. Well, and like, like he said earlier, you know, there's genetics and there's environment like, yeah, you can have the genetics, but if you don't have the environment around the dog to, for them to be successful, then that dog kind of like your dog you're talking about just doesn't quite become to its potential. Yeah. And so, you know, starting out with a good genetics and then you build that environment with, as a puppy starting when you get them at, you know, when they're probably what, six weeks old, we start kind of teaching them, um, the foundation of what we want. And so, you know, eye contact, focusing on us, uh, respect, all that kind of stuff. You build that foundation
1: um, and it's going to expand from there and grow. Yeah. If you're an avid listener of this podcast, you've probably heard me talking about Infinite Outdoors in the past. Infinite Outdoors is expanding access for hunting and fishing on private land across the country. From whitetail hunts in Missouri, to waterfowl hunts in Wyoming, and pheasant hunts in Colorado, they provide access to over a million acres of private land listings for all types of hunting and fishing. Best part is, it's incredibly easy to browse and book properties all on the Infinite Outdoors app. The app is free to download and easy to use. All you have to do is sign up and you can browse over 250 different adventures across 10 states. Download the app today and use Nomadic 15 for 15% off your membership. All right guys, it's November and you know what that means. It means the rut is on all across the country. There are deer moving everywhere and if I could give you a tip, it would be just get out in the woods. It doesn't matter if you're on five acres or 500 acres. It doesn't matter if all of your trail cameras are showing the bucks are nocturnal because guess what? The deer are moving, and they are moving all throughout the day. They have no choice when the rut's going on. So, if you want to increase your odds, just be out in the woods. If you want to increase your odds even more, get a pair of binos. And the best way to do that is to head over to eurooptic.com and enter code NOMADIC10 at checkout for 10% off your order. And now, let's get back to today's show presented by Vortex. And you guys, you guys talked about it early on. When I brought Scout, I was like, "What? What should I expect?" And you're like, "You know, we get him through obedience and basic gun dog, and like we kind of see what his potential is. You know, he might be great. It might be like that's about what you're going to get out of him. And the fact that you guys can see that—I mean, you're working with him every day, obviously—but. Um, to know it's good to know that it's like no matter how good of a trainer you bring a dog to if it's if it doesn't have it in it like it's not just going to be a master dog just because you spend a lot of time with it.
2: Yeah, I mean I always tell people, you know, you, you raise your kids and you would love from all to be an NFL football player. Yeah. But what's the realistic goal, you know, they may they may not make it out of high school. Yep. If they're lucky they'll play college and if they're a very small percentage they'll make it to the NFL. So it's the same for dogs. Some of them are going to be good high school football players, and some of them are going to be college, and those very, very few can make the NFL.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. Sorry, I, I cut you totally off It's totally fine. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, start so, to finish.
3: So I did Scout's basic obedience side of, of his gundog program. So in our program, the – our gundog program is a four- to six-month program, and so the first phase is the basic obedience, and I'm going to kind of divide that up as well. So the first two weeks of the six to eight weeks is what we call um, our relationship-building phase. So that's where I'm doing, like, just flooding him with all of the love languages so that I can see which ones are he is he going to be the most willing to work for. And so, in those first two weeks, we can informally get everything taught from here, heel, sit, down, and place. Um, as well as every day, we're getting throwing retrieves for him, introducing him to the water, making sure that he's seen live birds. You know, whatever we know that he's going to need once he gets to the field. Our job is is to make sure that he has exposure to all of that, so that we can make sure and tell whoever is his field trainer, which was Dakota, his field trainer okay, this is what I saw. These are the things that you're going to kind of need to be looking for once you get him in the field. Um, And so we do all of that. Well, we do all of the retrieving and all the gun dog stuff throughout the whole, every single day we do stuff like that with them. But the first two weeks is that relationship building phase. The second two weeks is where we're actually starting to formalize the commands so they're not informal anymore. We're doing, starting to show him, okay, sit means sit even if there's another dog walking around. Or, you know, it's not just sit until he decides to get up anymore. Yeah. So we get all of those commands formally taught. And then the last two weeks is when we are taking all of those and putting them in heavy distractions and conditioning him to the e-caller and letting him have a lot more distance and a lot more um, room to, you know, like – we'll go for long walks and I recall him back and have him come back to me and come into a heel swing position and just conditioning all of the things that he's learned in the first four weeks.
2: You're basically testing them at that point. Right. Yeah. yeah. You've kind of worked your way up from the learning through the quizzes and now you're kind of on the six week final exam type stuff.
1: That's so interesting to me. Cause like I've, you know, I've watched some videos and thought, okay, I can do this. And I've had plenty of friends that have bought dogs or, found dogs or got them at the back of a Walmart parking lot out of a panel van. And it's like, Oh, we can do this. We can figure this out. And it, and it doesn't ever turn into anything, you know, like they'll retrieve here and there. But the fact that you guys have years and years, and I mean, I don't know if you've got to count on dogs, but hundreds of dogs (laughs) that you've trained and you've learned these things to just streamline the process like getting the videos it's amazing to see the progression in a week yeah in a month in 2 months you know
0: yeah what i was going to say though is is like not every dog's cookie cutter so you've got to learn what kind of dog that is and how they learn and you've got to train for that dog. You can't just train. Okay, here's our here's our standards. Here's what we do. Blah blah blah. Go through the go through the line. It's okay. What does this dog need to be able to be successful on the place command, or you know, to improve marking or whatever it is? You've got to kind of mold it for that dog. It's not just okay. Here's the here's what you got to do and do it. It's you got to you got to fit it in for that
2: dog. You got to be able to think outside the box. I mean, there's you know as a trainer when you've been doing as long as I have I've seen it before I've seen I've seen your kind try this thing 16 times and it's not (laughs) going to work now and it never worked before yeah you know but I got to remember that dog hasn't tried that on me before 15 before it did and so I have to be patient and and but I have a certain amount of tools in my toolbox that I'll pull out and I'll be like well this one needs a crescent wrench you know and I'll put the crescent wrench on well this one needs a pair of pliers and then sometimes you gotta dig way deep in that toolbox and find a tool that you haven't used in a long time, maybe you've never used. It. And they, they'll contact me all the time, you know, my other trainers and say, Hey, I've got a dog that's doing this in the swim by drill. Have you ever seen this before? And i will be like, yeah, I've seen it a couple times. Here's, here's what I tried and this worked, you know, try a couple things and see what what happens.
0: Yeah. yeah. At the same time though, you run into things that he hasn't ran into. Oh yeah. And for whatever reason, that's just how the dogs mental, that's how they mentally work. And so, you know, then we kind of bounce ideas off of all the trainers in here. Okay, well, why don't we try this? Or why don't we try that? And you kind of play with it until it works for that dog.
3: That's the nice thing about having, um, honestly, the amount of trainers that we have because we're able to, you know, there's even sometimes we'll have dogs that just don't work with a certain person very well. And so we, we have actually transitioned them to other trainers and um, it worked better, you know, and having that... You know, and being able to, you know, hand them over to a different trainer and just say, "Okay, here, this is what I've tried. This is the challenges that I've had. Now you try, and let's just see if we can get a different
2: and u- you're, outcome." You're, you're going to see that tomorrow when you start working with him because yeah. scouts going to be like, "I remember this guy. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, I could do this and I could do that." He's going to mm-hmm. yell my name a hundred times. This is going to be real fun. <laughs> and so we're going to have to teach him. No,pe things are different this time. Yeah, this is a, this is a new person.
3: We get a lot of. Um, it happens all the time. We have people that think that we are programming a computer and think that we're just going to be able to, we can get this dog taught this, but it's through relationship building and, you know, repetition, repetition. Now it's there. Now it's us. Our job is is to teach you. and to, We'll teach, like, so, for instance, we're going to teach Scout how to work for you and to teach you, and then um, you guys will have that connection and you'll be able to move forward with it. So we did all the the dirty work, the hard work, and now we're going to be able to just, and now all you have to do is just condition what has already been taught. Yeah. And so. Um,
0: There's just as much teaching the owners as there is teaching the dogs. It's harder. Yeah. If we, it's harder, yeah. If we, if we can, I'm probably we can train a lot more stubborn than he is. <laughs> <laughs> We can train the dog, but if the owner doesn't know what they're doing when they take the dog home, then that training was not worth a thing, and that's yeah. one of
2: her biggest struggles. When Kristen started, you know, learning how to train dogs, she'd put all this just pour every ounce of effort into training this dog, and then the owner would show up, and you could tell the owner really wasn't listening, wasn't paying attention. Um, we could both tell just in the behavior that this owner was probably going to take the dog home and, and not do half of what we had trained the dog to do, Dang. and she would be so upset. She, I spent so much time with this dog, and I'm like, babe, you know, you were contracted to do a service. Did you do the best you could do? Yeah, I did the best. The dog's really nice. That's all you can do. Once you tuck the dog home, that's on them. And the the owners nowadays more than ever, they show up and they want to buy a brand new car off the car lot. And they think I can jump in the seat and drive it. And and it's just like driving a car. And it's not. It's an animal. It's not a machine. And so you've got to learn how to handle behaviors and how to adjust.
1: Yeah, it's it's cool too seeing like you guys train higher level dogs, dogs that were more advanced because we came down here. Um, in between dropping him off and now and got to see you guys compete. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, all right, you know, I I was hanging out at best retrievers for a couple <laughs> days. I think I got the feel for this and watching you guys run competition dogs. And I'm like, okay, I know where that bird is. And you send it and I'm like, why didn't they blow the whistle? What are they doing? What are they doing? And you just watch one dog and the other dog might do the same thing, but you know how it's going to respond. And so maybe you do have to give it a correction, but it's like, I know I put him in the right place. He's going to get there. I want to let him work. And then all of a sudden he comes back with the bumper without any correction. And I'm like, these guys are wizards. I don't know. I don't understand it. It's like, the. I mean, exactly what you said. Each dog's different. And you can't treat each one like a computer or a car. Or, you know, they all have their own personalities. And getting to know them determines how you're going to handle them.
2: Yeah, I mean, sometimes you play that – you play a hero and then you end up a zero yeah. you know, you, you think your dog is going to do this and then today they decide to do something different but they they do have natural tendencies um you learn their personalities and their traits and what they tend to do and and you play off that but sometimes you you think they're going to go left and they go right and that one time out of 20 they went right and, and you go down in a ball of flame
1: <laughs> i mean how many how many dogs do you guys have currently that are competing at a high level
2: well it depends on the time of the year I okay. Say. Um, I just got back from Master National. Uh, we we took twenty four dogs to Master National. Um, me and and a, one of my trainers, Kerrigan, she ran a dog. Um, and what regular hunt test weekends, we're running anywhere from thirty, twenty to thirty five dogs, probably. Typically in Jeez. the spring and the
0: fall, we're running a I'd probably say between junior to master level, we're probably running thirty to forty dogs. Yeah. Um, Holy cow. I think the most
2: passes we've – the record passes we've had in one weekend was 58 passes. Oh, my goodness. that was – I think we took three rigs. Yep, that was a big weekend.
1: So, with Master National, I mean, do you have to qualify? Do you have to get a certain amount of wins or points or how does that work throughout the season?
2: Yeah, so Master National, between August 1st of one year to August 1st of the next year, you have to get qualified to go run the event. And that requires six passes, six master passes in that time period. And typically, I try to get three of them in the in the fall and three of them in the spring. And and if a dog passes Master National, they get two credits towards the next year's passes, so they only have to go get four. Okay. So it's it's hard because you have to get qualified and you spend all year training and getting qualified, and then you go run the event and you fail and you're back to square one. You start all over again.
1: Oh man! It yeah, can I can only imagine how that how that would I mean feel. But then also, you know some dogs are your dogs, some dogs are clients' dogs, and, you know, they they probably have certain expectations, but it's like on any given day, the weather conditions, in watching the Crown series, it was really interesting hearing the commentators talk about it, and they're like, okay, you see how the shadows shifted from the first dog to now dog number 40? They're like, watch how the dogs react to this and how they run, and it's like, the same dog might, be able to do it perfectly on the first run and it might get a hundred points or 200 points three hours later, just because of weather. I can't imagine the pressure and like the frustration that you guys must feel on things like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I had a dog uh, that I, he was going for his third master national pass, which would have been for the hall of fame. So here we are his third year of, of training. He's five years old, pretty much trained his whole life. Been one of the most consistent dogs I've ever had. Um, coming in with two straight master national passes. He's hardly failed any tests, and he goes out in the first day. (sighs) And that was for his Hall of Fame. His owner was there, literally ready to take him home when he passed because he was done. Now the dog is going to have to stay a whole other year to do it again. Oh, my
0: goodness. So there's
2: a lot of of weight, a lot of stress, a lot of disappointments. But 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 having
0: good clients makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. When you've got clients that are nitpicking you or – put more pressure on you than you already have on you when you're running those big competitions makes it a lot tougher. But when you got those good clients that are understanding that it is a dog, it's not a robot and you know, you're not, it's a test and the dogs don't have collars on, you know, it's a, you're testing the hunting scenario and dogs aren't perfect. And like, you know, in the SRS, you know, a dog takes a right turn when the bird's a foot to their left. Um, then that can put you out of the competition you've been training for all year. So to have clients that are understanding of that, makes a huge difference less pressure on you
1: that's a good point what what would you recommend to people listening who might be looking for a trainer to bring their dog to and then also what would you tell them how how should they manage their expectations coming into a training scenario
3: well so first usually what i always tell them because i'll get phone calls and um well i used to i don't answer the phone anymore which is nice but um when I used to get phone calls I would um I would tell them you know here's some things that you need to do anybody that you're calling you need to make sure that they'll allow you to do a tour of the facility um you need to watch the dogs in the field you need to when you're walking through the kennels watch to see if when the trainer is walking through there if the dogs shy away Or do the dogs come too? Because the dogs are going to communicate to you a lot about what is going on in the facility um, and their training because the dogs, your dog can't tell you. Yeah. And so I always tell them, ask for a tour. If they don't do tours, red flag. Make sure that you reach out to multiple ones um, and um, just make sure, you know, There's just a lot of trainers out there that won't let you just come in, hang out in the kennel. They won't let you come watch the dogs. Another question is, how often do we get to work with the dog? You know, like he said earlier, we're going to teach the dog, but it is just as important, if not more important, for you to know what the dog knows. Yeah. Because if you don't know what they know, then it's all going to go, and it's going to go away. And um, so... Make sure how many times are they going to let you come out to train and invest time. You know, a lot of times there's some trainers out there that they'll just go to send the dog home and the owners come to pick it up and they just run through a checklist of things and then they send the dog home. And we spend, like just in obedience alone, we'll spend an hour and a half to two hours with you just, you know, explaining things and doing hands-on, teaching you how to do everything so that we know that... We've done our best in communicating to not only the dog, but also to you so that you can.
0: When when a client comes out a lot for competition dog and they want to run the dog, it's almost more satisfaction with the owner getting the pass on the dog or the title on the dog or whatever it is, because not only did I train the dog, but I also trained the, the handler or the owner. And so for them to be able to go be successful at the level that the dog can run at is i mean it, to me it's really real it's a lot of satisfaction because i th- those owners came out enough for me to be able to teach them what they needed to be able to communicate with the dog and run the dog to its potential
2: yeah unfortunately there's no certification no you don't have to go to college you don't have to go get a a, a test to be a retriever trainer or a dog trainer in general there are some places out there that make people certified behavioral specialists they call them um but there is no certification process there's it's word of mouth is a big one that's my favorite go-to is if you've had a dog train there were you happy yeah. you know and if you were great if you weren't well may might want to look somewhere else um <laughs> And the other thing is is their success rate. If you go on the internet, there's a couple of websites where we use that we use to sign up dogs for tests. And if you go search that person and look at the tests and see how successful they are, if you pull their name up and they've they went to this test and they ran ten dogs and they failed eight of them, there's a red flag. Yeah. You know they they passed nine of them. That's pretty good numbers. You know. And look at all levels. If they're just running the lower level stakes, the junior stuff, and that's all they're running probably not a, a well-rounded <laughs> don't trainer. expect to get a master dog out yeah, of that. yeah exactly if you want a master dog then go find a guy that's running master tests and yeah. doing well and being successful at it
1: that makes sense uh it's funny it's not dog related at all but sam and i went and watched uh mma fights in springfield one time and i was like man i kind of want to get back in the gym do jujitsu or muay thai or something like that and we went and watched these local fights a bunch of different cities brought fighters in and literally every single Springfield fighter lost that night. And I was like, you know, I don't think I'm going to sign up for any of these gyms. And, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, if they're not if they're not passing dogs or they don't have a good track record, you know, find somebody who does. Yeah. Watch the attitude of the dogs, too, yes. when they're running or when they're,
0: like she was saying, in the kennel. But when they're also outside of the kennel, you know, is the dog's tail wagging? That's if, if it's not wagging, that's a red flag. Yeah. It is wagging in the dog's happy excited looking up at the the handler um then that's all green flags that that's
2: that's good signs that's Uh, pretty much how we built our business i had person after person after person come to me and say i saw you run a hunt test your dogs were very happy their tails were wagging they were they were definitely wanting to please you and that's why we came to you yeah so that's what you're looking for
1: man that's cool i mean i can attest every dog that you guys get out they're just like fired up ready to go just looking at you like put me to work please 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 (laughs) i want to do this i want to do this and it's just cool i've i've seen other dogs that come out and they're just like come on not again Mm -hmm. (laughs) like (laughs) i keep going back to dogs that we've had in the past we've had some stupid dogs in the past (laughs) or you know just didn't have the time put into them Alright, how many of you guys hate dealing with tangled up rope, trying to untie it, it's all knotted up and you actually really need it at the time? Don't raise your hands because I obviously can't see you, but those days are long gone. Rapid Rope is a quick deploy rope solution that you can pull the length you need and cut it all with one hand. You don't need knives or scissors or a lighter to singe the end because it's cross threaded to keep it from fraying. Yeah, they've thought of everything. And this is way stronger than your average 550 cord. In fact, this is 1100 pound test. It comes in a shatterproof canister that you can fit in the cup holder in your vehicle or your backpack, or I don't know, if you still wear cargo pants, any one of the thousand pockets that you have. It comes in a 120-foot canister, a 70-foot canister, and you can get a rope refill. So just in a matter of seconds, you could be deploying and cutting rope with one hand again. So if you want to stop dealing with the headache of untying rope and detangling everything anytime you need to tie something down, go check out rapidrope.com and use code NOMADIC for 10% off at checkout. All right, if you're not using cams, Reveal cell cameras on your hunting property for scouting or monitoring the wildlife, you are seriously missing out. When you pair that with the Reveal mobile app, you can see the action as it's happening, no matter where you are. In fact, I've got trail cameras up in Wisconsin on the land that we hunt, and not only do I get pictures from those cameras sent to me, I can also track the progress of the camera, the battery life, how much memory is left on the SD card, and I can see what the weather's doing at the time that a picture is taken. So I can't think of a better tool for scouting whether it is close to home or in a totally different state. So if you want to stay tuned into the action or just get into the action, go to revealcellcam.com or tactcam.com and use code NOMADIC for 10% off at checkout. All right, guys, I've got to tell you about some of the new XOP products that I've been using this fall, and some of them I use in kind of an unconventional way. First off, I use the Mondo saddle, but I also use their Turkey Hunter vest, and I take the Cold World stand, put it in the back of the vest, and carry it in that way. Depending on how far I have to pack in, I'll just bring a foot platform, but one thing I've learned is that if I put the seat cushion on the underside of the seat and flip it up, it turns it into a knee pad also, or I can flip the seat down and sit on it like a conventional tree stand. I also use their holster kit clipped right onto my saddle to carry in my climbing sticks while keeping my hands free. If you're interested in getting a mobile hunting setup like mine, go to xopoutdoors.com. And use code NOMADIC for 10% off at checkout. What's next for best retrievers? I mean, you guys have built an amazing place here. You've, I don't even know, how many employees do you have now?
2: Well, we have seven full-time trainers and then five or six other staff as well. Um, I mean, as far as this year goes, we're starting to wind down for a little while, starting to catch our breath. We're, We're pretty busy from January until about the end of October. Uh, our summer, believe it or not, is our busiest time. That's when we get a lot of board and trains, people are going on vacation, dogs that we've trained. We have so many board and trains that we don't take dogs that we haven't trained before anymore. We don't board dogs. We only board dogs that we have trained. That's how Dang. busy our boarding business is. And it's nice because an owner goes on vacation. They know us. They, their dog has been here before. We know the dog um very easy for us to work the dog and get it what it needs and then send it home after a week or two and the owner gets back on vacation but i'm kind of going off on a tangent there um we're going to slow down here this year for now for you know november and december kind of catch our breath a little bit and and then um, we'll pick back up in january as far as the year goes you know about two years ago we had a pretty big turnover in staff which we don't have very very often we a lot of we, I, we run a it's a family business. We treat everybody like family. We eat lunch together every day. We come in the house. We all eat together. Um, it's just a very tight knit group and, and we like that. That's why that's what how we want it. Yeah. And about two years ago we had a pretty big turnover. Um, yeah, I don't who knows why. But it, it we just had a big turnover. We had a lot of new people come in and honestly at the time I thought it was the worst thing that happened to us. And now looking back I think it was good for us. Um, we've got a lot of new people that brought a lot of new things to the table, um, just a different crew, but a but a, a crew I'm very happy with. I'm very proud of. Um, just a lot of motivated people that are doing a great job for us, and couldn't be happier now. So the future's bright.
1: Yeah did you did you expect this like at the beginning, or did you have this vision at the beginning? Or was it just like, man, this seems fun. I want to train dogs. I want to do this. Because, I mean, this is no joke. I mean, this is like a world-class operation you guys have here.
2: Yeah, I had no idea. You know, when I was I graduated from college, um, graduated with a master's degree, believe it or not, and was looking for jobs and stumbled into a dog training position and spent four years working for them. And then we went on our own, and she wasn't involved at all. In fact, I told her, I'm sure it's kind of like what you did. You know, you you said, babe, I want to chase this dream of mine. I want to go do this and I want to see where it takes us. And that's what I did. I told her, I said, I just, I feel like this is the right move. And if, if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. But if we don't try it, we'll never know. And so we chased a dream and it just kind of took off from there. After I learned, I got a good skill set after four years of of doing it and and went to a bunch of seminars, bunch of workshops, learned a lot of new skills. Um, We went on our own and, and, Eventually, I trained her, and then she made the decision, or you didn't make the decision. You made the suggestion that we need to hire somebody, and I was scared to death because I'm like, I just thought it was just going to be me and you, me, and that's it. Best tree was just me, and then she said, we need to hire somebody, we need to hire somebody, and I said, if we hire somebody and it doesn't work out, we're responsible for that person. We have to make sure we can pay them. And it worked. That person became two, and four, and six, and now here we are. And had no idea to ever be this big. No idea. The
3: first kennel building we built was twenty-five kennels, and he, he was like, "We will never fill these up." And we have <laughs> seventy-one kennels that stay full.
1: Oh my goodness! So,
3: and we could build another building yeah, easily because yeah. we have a we have a waiting list. So,
1: that's amazing. I mean, that's just a testament to you guys and how well you do. The one training that you do here but the relationships that you have with the the owners i mean nobody they're fails family. up nobody stays yeah and even from the first time we pulled in at night and it's freezing cold literally our rv the water lines froze on it and you guys are like stay inside just come inside and i'm like are we gonna get killed here We've never met these people in person they're like yeah bring scout down here you can stay in our house out in texas i'm like oh this this isn't going to turn out well. And now it's like, I mean, we text all the time, just random stuff. You'll text me pictures of hunts or we'll talk about different things. And I'm like, man, and even today, Kristen, you were like, this better not be the last time you guys come down. I'm I, like,
3: know. I know. It makes not me sad.
1: I keep getting pictures of all these pigs on the property. I'm coming <laughs> back down all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm but no that's it's it's been awesome coming down getting to know you guys and i won't take up the whole night talking about this but i do want to find out what's the plan for scout tomorrow because it's like i mean is it weird i can't imagine going through training like this with dogs and some some of the dogs for years and then all of a sudden it's like and now they're gone Mm -hmm. like you build a relationship with them yeah so you're probably like yeah bring them back sometime
0: really tough especially those dogs that are here for a while you know um It's tough just in general, doesn't matter how long the dog's here, but especially those dogs that you got good relationship with the clients and you really like the dog and stuff, it is tough. Um, But tomorrow the plans are, we're going to get up and do an obedience session, kind of teach you all the obedience side of it and the dog relationship building and um, essentially the foundation of of all the training that he's done. Um, And then we're going to kind of teach you all how to do a little bit of drill work because when y'all came out last time, we did a little bit of gun dog, so y'all are familiar with how to send him and... That kind of stuff but how to actually handle him and um run him on blind retrieves to a bird that he doesn't know where it's at so there's a there's a lot to that we're going to teach you kind of the different aspects to that and then we'll work him in the field a, a time or two and let you kind of get the feel for him and get let him get the feel for you running oh
1: my Hi. heart's kind of pounding right now <laughs> the pressure's on
3: you'll probably let him run on a bunch of different dogs. yeah we'll too. let you let work a bunch of
1: different dogs. that way yeah. you
3: get yeah. a, get comfortable and I don't different, ruin even my even different dog personalities. Right out of the
1: gate. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, no, that's cool. The,
2: it, you everybody wants to jump straight into the game, right? They don't yeah. want they don't want to do the practice. But tomorrow you're going to have to do the practice because you can't if you don't know the the plays, then you can't be playing the game without, you know, knowing what's yeah. going to happen. So, and the 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 drills that we're going to give you are things that are lifetime maintenance type stuff. It's not just you're going to do it tomorrow and then take him hunting for the rest of his life and he'll be fine. It's not like we talked about it's not an, a robot you're yeah. going to have to do some of these drills at home you're going to call and say he's been i try to send him this direction and he goes this direction what do i do and we're going to say remember this drill we did go back and do that for the week do, yeah. do five sessions of that drill and you'll see him get better or you'll say he's he's not you know delivering the bird to hand what do i do well here's what we do you know we're going to show you all that stuff and what, what's going to You'll be lucky if you remember about 30% of it, to be honest with you. I told her I'm, I'm wearing a GoPro on my chest
1: tomorrow so that I don't have to try to remember it
2: all. But we're always available. Yeah. And we do this. I mean, my phone rings 24-7 from clients and stuff. And especially during hunting season, we'll get a lot of calls. Hey, my dog did this. I'm like, it's okay. It's this part of it. Your dog, the first hunting season is going to be rough. There's yeah. going to be a lot of learning to do. I always tell people if you take your dog hunting – you're going to be lucky if that dog sees half the birds that you shoot because they're not, they're not used to, to, to a bird flying over the treetops coming at you. They're looking out in the field for that, that guy that's been throwing them that bird out in the field, you know, the whole time. Yeah. So there's going to be some transition stuff and to be patient and, and remember the hardest thing you're going to have to do is does the dog know what they're supposed to do and therefore I must correct them for not doing it? Or do they just not know what's going on and I need to show them a little better? Yeah. That's the hard – you're going to be like, man, I don't know. Does he he really know this? Is he pulling my – you know, trying to pull the rug out from under (laughs) me here? And and sometimes he will be. And Dakota will tell you, oh, yeah, he's totally fooling you. He knows better than that. Or Dakota might go, no, I don't think he really understands in that situation, so here's what you need to do. Man, that's good to know. With the kind of dog you all have,
0: he's not going to try to pull any – I mean, not going to. Most likely he's not going to try to pull any tricks on you. He, he, he wants to do what you want him to do. As long as you show him what you want him to do. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, rather than getting hard on the collar, you know, repetition is the best correction for him. So so repeating it and, and showing him what you want, then you're going to get success yeah. with,
1: with your dog. Not well, I dogs. mean, worst case, if he doesn't do what I want,
2: I can just bring him back down here every other month and <laughs> hang out for a week. <laughs> <That's> Shoot <Should've pig>. a <laughs> And in today's training, you know, everybody uses electric collars. E-collars is, is what we recommend. That's the only way to reinforce a command at a distance. Yeah, You know, It's about being consistent. And you said earlier about saying here, 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 but not reinforcing it. If you're going to give him commands at a distance and you don't have the ability to reinforce it, he's going to learn that at a distance he doesn't have to behave. And so that's what the e-collar is. You may have the transmitter hung around your neck and the entire duck hunt never need it. Yeah. But – that one time when he jumps out in front of you, when he sees that big flock of ducks, you know, putting their feet out and, and spreading their wings about to land, and you go to shoot, and he jumps out in front of you, and you have a dangerous situation presented for you, and you can get onto him with that e-collar and make him go, uh-uh, I don't care what situation it is, you're not jumping out in front of my gun barrel, yep. and you make that a, a teachable moment, it's gonna matter.
3: Yeah. Um, I saw not too long ago, I thought this was really a neat way to think about it: is, is that the e-collar is a seatbelt. We all get in our cars, we automatically put our seatbelt on. Whether we're gonna be, we don't know if we're gonna be in a wreck or not. We don't know if there's gonna be a life-threatening situation that's gonna come across, you know, our trip to wherever we're going. So you just put the seatbelt on. So the e-caller, he's been trained in a healthy way on e-callers. There's a a lot of different talk about e-callers, but it's just like anything, you can use it wrong. He's been trained, and he is happy to have it put on. He is excited to have it on. And whenever he gets it put on, it's like his seatbelt. It's a way for you to reinforce when you need to for safety reasons or, you know, to, for, for, his, for his safety. Um, so, you know, I mean, if he's going to be sitting next to you and you're going to be shooting and he goes to get out in front of you, that's like you having a seatbelt on him. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize dogs. You only have one point three seconds to praise or discipline a dog for a behavior. So that's why the e is also good for you for like in the field because you're able to tell him this is good, this is not good, and you're able to use an e-collar to be able to reinforce whatever it is that you're trying to teach him from a distance.
1: Have they? Do they make like on on collars? Can you like program different sounds into them also? Has um, anybody done that for like a positive sound if he does what you want, or a negative if he doesn't?
2: There's been collars that emit certain tones and stuff, and yeah. then other people use the vibrate button. It's got a pager button okay. that you can use. We don't use any of that. We use a we use the lowest level correction that will change the behavior. Okay. So if your dog is breaking on you every time you pull up to shoot a duck and he takes off and the first time he does you get him on a 20 let's say a, let's say your collar, our, our collars are dog trail collars they go from zero to 127 don't ask me what 127 is that's just the top end that's some <laughs> weird arbitrary number but most dogs work on about a 20 or a 30 some work a little harder depends on the, the pain tolerance they have if he breaks on a 20 and you correct him and he says nope i'm getting that duck well the next time i'd have that collar turned up to a 30 and if he tries it again, the next time I turn to a 40, let's say you stop him at a 40. He goes, okay, that's too high. I'm not, I'm not happy with that. I'm coming back. So he comes back to you, and you say, okay. Now you turn it back down to a 20. Yeah. And then if he tries it again, you might have to go, okay, one more time at 40. If that's what it takes. Okay. Yep. And then he goes, okay, I've, 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 <laughs> I've I get the message. You know, I'm not going to do that again. And the yep. thing
3: in those type of situations you have to think of is that you're creating a safer environment for him. I mean, a lot of times people just get, oh, You know, but you are creating a safer by even having those type of situations when he goes to break, even if you're not shooting or the gun's not, you know, he's learning that his job is to stay next to your side until you send him for safety reasons. And it's not always
0: you, the safety of you shooting him. It's the safety of other people, other hunters that are with you that don't know that he's going out there or don't know that he's out in the decoys and other birds are coming, you know. Um, I've heard of
1: guys say the same thing. I mean, in in the field, I think it was my cousin. Maybe it was another guy that I hunted with. They had a dog. Luckily, it had a collar and it was trained. And they were hunting out by this county road in a cornfield. They shot a goose, sent the dog after the goose the goose wasn't fully dead and it's flop it's flapping and running trying to take off and it's headed straight for the road and they're like luckily we were able to stop the dog and correct it and because that goose went straight across the road and they're like i mean the goose didn't get hit but you could just imagine an 18-wheeler come by or some lady in her minivan right as that dog's trying to catch that
2: goose yeah but to answer your question the tone and the vibrate we don't use it yeah. Um, we use the the correction level that's necessary to change their behavior. Um, I don't think a dog can hear a tone out in the field if they're swimming or running through splashing water, if they're panting really hard and loud from the heat maybe in the Texas you know dove season during September. Yep. There's just a lot of situations where that tone is not going to be consistent. They're not going to hear it. And let's say you use it. And you go, well, he's not listening. Now I'm going to correct him. How do you know he really heard it? Yeah. You need to make sure that you know he heard it and he, just, he chose to disobey. And then the pager button, honestly, people use it as warnings and stuff like that. It's like it's like the parent that counts to three but then doesn't do anything after yeah. three. That's what you're doing. You're saying one, two, three and a half, three and three quarters, three and five eighths, and then you're not doing anything. Yeah. That's what a pager is to a dog. They're going, well, they're not going to do anything. They're going to page me and... Maybe I'll listen or maybe I won't. It needs to be black and white. Yep. I'm going to give you one chance. And and if I have to repeat myself, you understand what's going to happen if, if I have to repeat myself. Yeah. And again, it's not an overwhelming amount of e-collar pressure. It's just the tiniest amount to make them change their behavior.
1: Yep. No, that's good. All right. Last question before we hop off. Give me the funniest either story that you guys have encountered or that you guys have experienced here or maybe – a funny um request from a an owner. Do you guys get any funny like, I want my dog to poop in the toilet.
2: Can you train <laughs> him to do that? <laughs> Y'all think of anything? Cause I got I got we, one.
3: Go for it. Go ahead.
2: I was at a hunt test, and this has been a long time ago, so this client's probably not even listening anymore, but this yeah. this <laughs> client dropped his dog <laughs> off. I'd already trained this dog uh, through the summer, and then fall rolls around, and he says, I want to bring my dog and drop him off and get a junior title. I said, okay, well, he brought him on Thursday, and Friday afternoon, I loaded him up, did a little setup with him, loaded him up, and off we go to the hunt test with a bunch of other dogs. Friday night, we're at the hotel, um, we'd eaten, we're airing the dogs, feeding them and whatnot, and... I noticed something in the back of the dog's hole where the dog was staying, and I pulled it out, and it's wet and nasty, and I look at it, and I'm like, what? And I wash it off in the, in the water hose, and it's a sock. The dog had thrown up a sock, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, so I, I called the owner, and I said, hey, you know, Rover threw up a sock. Is, should I be worried, or he, goes, well, he, has a, he has a problem, you know, eating stuff like that. I don't know what his deal is, so I thought, okay, that was one, just ate one sock. That's That's okay. <laughs> The next night, Saturday night, he threw up an even bigger pile. And I started going through this pile and this was the other sock. <laughs> it was a matching pair and two pair of ladies undergarments. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have the courage to tell the owner that I had seen that or I just pretend that never happened. I <laughs> never talked about that. I think I would have
1: washed the socks and folded them <laughs> up and <laughs> sent them back to him. <laughs> I had a dog this past summer
0: go through gun dog, and they named their dog Simba, which I thought it was a cool name until I went to send him on his name. Or when I went to say sit, sit sounds like Simba. So he yeah. went to take off whenever I said sit. So I talked with the owners about, you know, hey, you know, what's a different name you want to send the dog on? And uh, they didn't really come up with anything. They, they left it to me. So, my wife, Kara, decided to name him or send him on Pumbaa. Pumbaa. <laughs> <laughs> so his owners are in the duck blinds and their dog on Pumbaa. Pumbaa. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: I love that. Anything?
3: I really can't think no. of anything. mm
1: Those are good. I like Pumbaa. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, man. I Every time I do laundry, there's always, like, six different socks missing, and they're always two different. It's never, like, a full set's missing. And now I've got to think about that with a dog. <laughs>
2: here's, here's a question for you that, and, and people listening might know this, but you might or might not, I don't know, why do we send the dog on their name? Why don't we send them on fetch? If we're going to send Scout for a retrieve, we're going to say his name, right? We're going to shoot a bird and send him on Scout, right?
1: Is it if you're hunting with multiple dogs?
2: Ding, 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 Bingo. ding. I was like, <laughs> I was like well, why would that be? Why would that be? <laughs>
0: We yeah, want only if you got if
2: you a buddy that's got another dog. Hopefully, your buddy doesn't have the same <laughs> name dog as you. If he does, you should be worried. But uh, yeah, so your dog can go and the other dog stays, and what we call honors that retrieve.
1: Yeah, that's good. Hey,
2: <laughs> thanks. I got the, I got the physical touch from my wife. That was so
1: nice. Well, we really do appreciate you guys. We love you guys, and uh, thanks for hopping on and chatting and. I'm excited to get Scout back and do some work, but not before I get trained first. (laughs) Thanks Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Seriously. Yes. Yeah.